welcome back to the uh, the Aerospace Executive Podcast. I'm I'm really happy to have uh, Scott Ashton with me. Scott's been a good friend of mine for a long time. He is the the president and CEO of Aerox, which is a uh, company that manufactures oxygen systems for general aviation. Um, recently, he bought a company up in Ohio, which is now branded Aerox Fluid Power. And uh, we're going to talk about we're going to have some we're going to have a great conversation today, Scott, because we're going to tell people a little bit about your journey from big companies to entrepreneurship and ownership, and a little bit of M and A into the yeah these small these small companies that nobody knows about that need some professional management and, and their and their importance in the supply chain. So thanks for coming on, Greg. It's it's great to be back. It's always great to talk to you. So thanks for having me. Talk about Aerox a little bit. Tell everybody what you're doing with uh, down in, down in Florida with uh, with that company, yeah. and then with Aerox Fluid Power as well. Yeah, so we bought Aerox back in uh, May of 2020. We closed on that. That was my first acquisition as a uh, as a solo uh, solopreneur, solo entrepreneur. And um, you know, boy, we came into that. We didn't know what we didn't know, and but we bought the company and and took to, took a big plunge, and, and we managed uh, through the pandemic and grew the company. Um, in 2022, we then acquired one of our competitors, Skyox, which was uh, another kind of a small, sleepy provider of general aviation oxygen systems. Uh, and then last year, we did our biggest acquisition, which was Fluid Power, and uh, brought that into the uh, what we now call the Aerox Aerospace Group. Uh, so we've done three acquisitions, and we've got an appetite for more. Three acquisitions. See, you walked out of you walked out of a big company. You get down to Florida. You buy this. You buy this little company carve out. You've done great yeah. growing. You've done great growing that. Then you went out. Now you've bought two more companies. It's and, been a crazy, and, crazy and, ride. And you and your hair still has color. A little bit, but it it is definitely turning. I'm I'm hitting fifty five, and it's it's definitely turning. <laughs> What was the biggest wake up call? What you know, and, and I know for me personally, what the biggest what was your biggest wake up call when you when you decided to go down the entrepreneur route route? The, probably the the scope of everything. Um, you know, everything in that company when we bought Aerox, everything in that little company happened because somebody in our little group, and I think we had at the time 13 employees, made it happen. So when you're in a big company, things happen. You know, outside of your outside of your field of view, your domain, taxes get filed, payroll gets cut, the trash gets picked up. All of that happens. You know, somebody else worries about it, and you can kind of focus on your on your day to day job. When you own a small company, you know, with thirteen employees, there is nobody else. So everything that has to happen in a company happens because one of those thirteen people makes it happen, and. Uh, that was probably initially the biggest wake up call was just the just the magnitude of the scale of everything that you suddenly had to become an expert at you know we we had to become an expert at doing payroll overnight because let me tell you thursday morning when when those checks don't show up in somebody's bank account you're you're in a world of hurt so we had to instantly become an expert at how to do payroll when we bought the company we transitioned all of our systems from the prior parent company, we had a transition services agreement. We basically had to rebuild the company from scratch. Uh, new payroll system, new MRP system, all new banking. Like every every system that you rely on to operate the company, insurance, um, all of that had to be recreated from scratch. And fortunately, we had a lot of relationships in the industry 
you know, Lou Timpanero from Allianz is our insurance broker. So I just kind of moved everything right over to him. Uh, legal, Paul Lang is our counsel. So everything went right over to him. So, you know, I already had a, a group of people that I worked with and trusted, and that made that transition easier, but everything had to be rebuilt from scratch. And we've done it. And now that we've done that and we've got, you know, we've, we're in a rhythm, even our, even our IT infrastructure, as we've been integrating these acquisitions, it actually is just, a l- I don't want to minimize it, but it's kind of like turning the crank, right? I mean, we've got our MRP system already set up. So integrating the new company into our MRP system, it's not trivial, but it's not, we, we kind of have the playbook. And uh, so we're, you know, we're like a little microcosm of a, of a, of a larger company in terms of how we do acquisitions. You know, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a journey. That's <laughs> it's the best way to describe it. The one, the one statement I hear from people at Honeywell or Lockheed or Boeing or whatever, you know, they run a huge P&L or they think they run a huge P&L and you put a $20 million company in front of them and they say, oh, that's too small. That's too small for me. Do you think that that's a mistake in thinking that way? It, it is a total mindset shift. You know, there, there is nobody else and, you know, you can't kind of sit above the company like, like you can on it with a bigger P and L you've, you've got to be down. You've got to be down in the, in the weeds and the trenches every single day, fixing stuff (laughs) where I think tonight we're going to replace some lights here at fluid power uh, after hours. You know, it's just, it's what it is. And it's true of any small business. That's not, that's not, you know, it's not just what we're doing or aerospace. I mean, anybody that runs a small business from a, from a coffee shop to, to your company, to, um, you know, anybody else that runs a, you know, sub $10 million business, we're all in the arena together. And that's, that's what running a small business is. So if you're not wired for that, then, you know, definitely don't do it because, if you if you think you're going to be managing everybody else, there, there is nobody else, and so you know you've really got to know the ins and outs of that business and every single thing that happens in that company. You you've got to you've got to know how it works. Do you find it humbling? Which is great. I love I love it. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every day is humbling. Every day is humbling. But you know, and I've got I've got a great team. That's you know that's probably. Probably the single most important learning over my career is is the team that I've built, and I've done it a couple of times. And and when you have a team like we have here, or like I've had in a couple of other prior businesses, it makes running the company so much more enjoyable. And you know that's been a that's been a journey. Um, you know we've had to move some people out, move some people in, but um, my senior leadership team now, as I call them, the head of sales, operations, and quality engineering. My CFO, who happens to be my wife, and and now my general manager at Fluid Power. You know, we we operate the group as a uh, as a leadership team. We meet every week. We we're on we run on EOS. So those of you who run small businesses are probably familiar with that. That's the entrepreneurial operating system based on mm-hmm. the book Traction. So we we've been on EOS now for about two years, and uh, and that's been I'll say that's been kind of transformative for us because it's really given structure to the company. So when you're in a big company, when you're in a GE or a Honeywell, they have a Honeywell operating system, kind of a, a, a management op tempo through the year, strategic planning, personnel planning, goals of setting, things like that. When you run a small business, what's right in front of you kind of overtakes that long-term view. So EOS allows you to take a step back and do some long-term planning. Think about your 10-year goal, your three-year objectives, 
your one year, your quarterly, you know, then that's where the 90 IO is. It's kind of, you manage to a 90 day, 90 day rhythm with, with your goals and objectives. And, uh, and that's been fantastic for us because it's provided some structure that, that we didn't have by being a small business, but, but any of these, any of these systems or, or management books that you read that are, that are really good, like good to great, you know, they always talk about the people. Building that team is probably the the most satisfying thing that uh, that we've done, and it's a it's an evolution. We're continuing to do it, but uh, but right now we've got a a really really good team that's taken honestly quite a while to put together. What's the uh, what was it? yeah? I mean, look, building teams is is hard. What was the one thing as a small business? You know, what was the what was the most important trait that you were looking for with each individual person? So we've got three core values, and we this is this actually comes out of EOS. This provide and EOS again provided the structure for us to have. We had a pretty in-depth discussion about core values, and and actually at our last quarterly, we talked about the five dysfunctions of a team and building trust, especially bringing in a, a, an acquisition uh, and trying to put two teams together. So so EOS provided us a structure to talk about our core values, and we've got three core values. One is that we're all on the journey together. Right, which means that we know that we're not a perfect company, we're not perfect people, but we're on the journey, which means that every day when I leave and I lock the door behind me, I want to know that we're a little bit better at the end of the day than we were at the beginning of the day. And so we're all moving towards that common objective of just being better every single day. And when somebody raises their hand and said, Hey, I messed this up, you know, we don't find fault, we don't point fingers, we get to the root cause and we fix it and we move on. So that's, that's, that's one of the things that I want to promote amongst all of our team members is, you know, how do we do things better every single day? That that's a real important core value along with that is personal integrity. And it's more than just, Hey, I'm not going to steal from the company. It's, it's really how you show up, how you, how you wake up in the morning, how you show up, how you do your job. Are you enthusiastic? Are you motivated? Do you have a sense of shared success? And, and that's our second core value. And our third is relentless customer service. And I've so I've been in, as you know, the aviation industry really since I was 17 years old, starting to work at, a, at an FBO in Connecticut mm-hmm. on the weekends. So I know, you know, I know a lot of people in the industry and uh, a fairly senior executive in the industry bought some stuff from us last night on our website, which is really cool to see his name. And and so, you know, these are people that I know that I do business with that I that I see at Oshkosh and trade mm-hmm. shows. So our word, like when we commit to something, it's more than just Aerox saying, hey, we're going to do this. It's me personally, because these are my personal friends. These are people that I've known a long time. This is my reputation in the industry. So customer service is something that is is extraordinarily important to us. So when I when we hire, getting back to your question, when we hire. I always go through our core values and you, you can tell if that lights people up and say, Hey, yep, that's me. You know, they'll, they'll always give you lip service. They'll always say, Hey, that's great. But you can tell by their reaction, whether they really, whether that really resonates with them or Mm -hmm. whether they're just looking for a job, you can, you can just, you can just tell. And so one of the things that we've learned through EOS and, and other, other, you know, other things that we've done is to hire for core values and then train for competency. I love it. I, I'm thinking about in my mind the athlete, you know, just the athlete. Hey, a little short on, you know, a little short on experience or not quite the right 
fit for the role, but they're something in their background that's so good and and they're they're so smart that you're like they'll figure this out. Let's get them on board. And and you, know, you said a couple of things: the integrity and reputation. I was watching the, my daughter and I were watching the Pat McAfee show the other day. Tom Brady was on, and I I suddenly got it. What made Tom Brady the goat? And he was talking about the team showing up, everybody getting a little bit better, the integrity on the field. And my sense with Tom was I finally got it. I'm looking at him and going, if you showed up, you know, not ready to go, no integrity, you're going to hear it from him. And and the answer was, you're not going to screw up my reputation. Right. Get your ass in gear. You know, and and, and I finally figured out that's the mentality that made him as, as good as he is. It's not about the athleticism. It was about the, hey, the discipline and the integrity. I'm yeah, and that integrity it. comes to play. I mean, we, we don't have to go down the Boeing road, but, you know, we just did an all hands. And and it was the first time we had done a, a group wide all hands between with both sites. We had, you know, I was in I was in Ohio, but we had the, the Florida site on on simulcast on teams. Mm-hmm. And we talked about integrity and why, why what we do is important. And I showed a photograph of that of that. Boeing aircraft with the, um, with the plug blown out of it. And I said, when, you know, when people use our products, this isn't hyperbole, right? Here's the picture. When people use our products, their lives are in danger. You know, you're not just putting together stuff that's going to go on the shelf and we ship it out and never think about it again. Like the stuff that you're doing, all right, our, our oxygen masks, our regulators, really, no matter the, what the situation is, when they're using our products, it's, it li- is literally life or death. And it was mm-hmm. the first time some of them had had really kind of put that together. And that's why integrity is so important, and which is why other companies are having issues with that. But um, it, it really is something that we try to live, you know, every, every single day. I love it. I mean, it's, no, that's it. Somebody's flying there. Yeah. Somebody's flying there. They're serious at 15,000 feet and they need your system. You know, they expect yeah. it to work. They expect it to work. Yeah, and it's Thanks. and it's life or death. If it's if it doesn't work, you can get hypoxic. You can have other issues. So, it's and and now with the fluid power acquisition, we are you know so we're general aviation as you said at the introduction, but we're also business aviation. We're on the six hundred nine tilt rotor. We're on all of the space programs. You know mm-hmm. the 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 private space programs. When you know with through, through fluid power, we do a lot of military type equipment. So, mm-hmm. you know. Well, the stuff that we do is is throughout the entire aviation industry, and and it's it's life or death, which is true of all, everybody in the industry. We all we all we're all in the same boat in that regard. Well, thank yeah. Look, yeah, Alaska Airlines and their and their aircraft manufacturer thanking their lucky stars that nobody was sitting in that row unbuckled, right? Or right, some kid, right. or, or some kid was it sitting on some mom's lap. Yeah, and that it's, it was only at fifteen thousand feet instead of thirty-eight thousand feet. Right, and that's yeah. a big oop. That's a big oops. I mean, that's just what All it comes right. down to. So, well, hey, let, let's shift gears a little bit. Mergers and acquisitions. So you've done three. I mean, you found this little carve out through a, a good mutual friend of ours. Yep. And you've been wildly successful with it. Then you found a couple other small companies yep. off the radar. Off talk the radar. About, talk about that. Talk about those processes a little bit. So, what, one of the other things that I've done as part of my journey is uh, I'm a member of Vistage. So, Vistage is a CEO group of of individuals that own, typically own their own company, small small business owners, and we meet once a month and 
you know, I have, I have kind of a reputation for chasing shiny objects because every time, every month I come in, I'm like, oh yeah, I just found this other little company and this other little company. So I've got a bit of a reputation for chasing shiny objects, but we, um, we're, we're pretty focused on finding small companies in the, in the oxygen slash safety space where we can, we can add some value and what's going on in the industry. What we're seeing is that there are a lot of little companies that were formed by entrepreneurs, owner operators in the, you know, call it as low. I mean, we've looked at companies as low as a million dollars a year of revenue, a million up to call it 5 million of revenue, maybe a million of EBITDA that are going through a generational transition now. So, you know, those owner operators are in their mid sixties, maybe early Mm seventies, family run. So, you know, the husband is kind of the, maybe the mad scientist and the, and the wife, maybe, you know, bookkeeper slash HR 10, five, 10, 15, 20 employees. And, you know, it's, it's provided a great lifestyle for them, but now they're looking for an exit strategy and, you know, they're, it's, it's tough. Because they're way too small for a private equity firm to come in and and put the sweat equity that's really required for that company to continue to grow and thrive. You know, finding an exit strategy is is really kind of tough for them. So a strategic won't pick it up. A, a financial won't pick it up. You know, it's a perfect opportunity for an owner entrepreneur to put together an SBA loan or or friends and family round and and go and and snap up these companies. It's a ton of sweat equity. You get in there and, you know, uh, they may be on QuickBooks, no MRP system. You know, the the owner may know, you know, have a stack of drawings on on his desk, yeah. uh, you know, no, no CAD system other than, you know, maybe AutoCAD from 20 years ago. You know, now, now you got to build a real aerospace company out of it. And, you know, it, but with a lot, lot of sweat equity and a little bit of, of luck and talent, you know, you can, you can start to build a nice company. What uh, what was the biggest when you bought Skyox? It was mm-hmm. very small, family owned, individual yeah. owned. What was the biggest challenge when you walked into that thing? What 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 did you learn right off the bat that you wish you knew from the very beginning? How small it really was. We didn't so, and that is part of it. So we didn't get great financials. It was kind of a handshake deal. That one was a little bit, that was, was a little bit different. We really just bought, it was an asset sale. We bought the product line, the brand and Sporties has been a great distributor for us on that. So we kind of re-energized the, uh, the brand mm-hmm. and, uh, and they've done a great job energizing the, the sales for the, for that product line. But yeah, we, we, we had to kind of build it from scratch, re- rebuild it from scratch. So we bought, we bought all the assets and then kind of stood up Skyox as a, as a product line within Aerox kind of just by brute force. But fortunately, I mean, the advantage for us was that we had that infrastructure already. So somebody coming in, not having that infrastructure, I, I'm not sure they would have been able to do it, but we already had the supply chain. We already had, you know, the bills of material, we had the marketing, we had the brand and everything. So it was pretty, it was pretty easy for us, but somebody else coming in, I think would have had a real challenge with, uh, with that company. And that's, that's part of the challenge with these small businesses is that, a lot of the intellectual property goes out the door when the founder walks out either every night or, or cashes the check and walks away from the business. That's a big challenge. And it's a big challenge for the industry because a lot of these small companies are key suppliers and, and the first and second tier of the supply chain. So, you know, so a large tier two, tier one 
company may be dependent on this small company for a key component that if they don't deliver, airplanes don't get shipped. And Mm -hmm. the owner says, hey, I'm retiring. And now now you're left scrambling, either resourcing or doing something. So, you know, there's it's an opportunity for entrepreneurs and and very small companies to come in and kind of, you know, be the hero of the day, take this small company that, you know, really hasn't hasn't had any investment, modernize it a little bit. And um, you know, it's great for the entrepreneur because you get to run a small aerospace business and with an established established customer base and established product line. And, you know, it's not without risk, but it's way easier than starting from scratch. What kind of due diligence are you doing? I mean, look, it's very hard to do, you know, it's hard to do a lot of due diligence, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, garage, it's almost a garage or storefront business that Bob, you know, Bob started and, you know, yeah. What kind of due diligence do you do? And what are the resources that you bring in to, to make sure, Hey, look, what do I really, what do I really have here? So, you know, that's, that's very, very difficult because when, you know, when an investment banker is representing a larger company, they can invest in a data room, you know, with 15 folders full of all of your HR information, all of your financial information. You can do your inventory testing, quality Mm -hmm. of earnings. You know, you can, you can do everything that you need to do to, to do your due diligence, environmental we don't have those resources available to me as a buyer. They don't have the resources available to them as a seller. You know, a lot of what you're buying is the integrity of the seller. And that's something that you just got to kind of go with your gut on that. Like, like, is this guy or this is a seller, is this woman, you know, somebody that has run a, you know, a, a good trustworthy business over the last, you know, decade, couple of decades. Are they trying to hide something? That's, that's something you've got to really establish a rapport with. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I try to, I try to establish a rapport with the seller uh, whenever I can, because that's when you kind of, you, you kind of tell, okay, is this somebody I want to do, I want to do a deal with? And that was, I mean, we've looked at deals where I've, I've met the seller and I said, I don't want to do a deal with this person. And we've walked away just not for any good reason, other than I could tell like it was going to be a difficult transaction. And then we, you know, this one, the sellers were great, very easy to deal with, gave me carte blanche, anything, you know, I spent a couple of days up here doing inventory testing, met with the team. Um, They were very transparent, you know, still, still a lot of surprises. And we kind of knew what we were, what we were getting, you know, you got to leverage your experience as a, as a, you know, somebody who's run a business, you know, bigger business for somebody else. You got to just leverage that experience and you know, dig, dig where you can, because you can't even afford to do a quality of earnings. So we, we talked to an accounting firm for this transaction to do a quality of earnings. And, you know, it, what, what that was going to cost, it would have blown the economics of, and it's just a QuickBooks file. So I had my accountant look at the QuickBooks file and, you know, we looked at tax filings, like the things that are going to get you right. So mm-hmm. taxes will always get you. So you got to make sure your taxes are paid. You know, make sure payroll is is set, all of your HR stuff. So we can we could drill into that because we had access to their their payroll payroll system, their customers. We I mean we know their we know their products because they're our products. So that made it pretty easy. And then we had to do an assessment of, you know, what's the transition look like. So and then right. where's where's the cost savings? So we had to we had to migrate them over to our IT system. We had to migrate them over to our MRP system. We had to migrate uh-huh. them over to our insurance health insurance, payroll, 
and it's just us like you know when a big company an integration team goes in and you know you know you got 50 people to do all of that you know we had to do it ourselves and we are doing it ourselves but you know that's the sweat equity that we put into the deal and you know that's what that's what makes the deal work is that you know you're there late nights doing the doing the heavy lifting and that's what makes it satisfying so at the end of the day you know Aerox and Skyox and now Aerox Fluid Power the, the Aerox group you know it's all us it's our team it's it's satisfying for everybody my head of engineering my head of operations you know it's it's us and you can have an impact and you can have an impact on on a company in a way that you can't have in a much bigger organization um, and that's very satisfying you know and it's fun it it is it's fun when you have a great team and you're doing really cool work and you know a big company sends you an RFI you're like wow we're we're on the radar uh that's that's you know just super satisfying and it's you know it's scary cuz you're operating without a net you know mm-hmm. we don't have you know we don't have access to millions of dollars of capital to invest and uh so that gets a little you know, that gets a little scary and you've got to be wired for that ri- mm-hmm. level of risk it's a different mindset. Yeah. I mean, it's a totally different mindset. Yeah, yeah it's like, it's, uh, you know, it's it's like I'm a great executive. I'm a great executive. I'm a great executive. Okay, we'll go into this ten million dollar business and do a two million dollar acquisition and figure out, you know, get it. It's it's a total skill set different. Yep. It's a mind. It's a mindset difference. It's a total skill set difference. It's you know, as I as I say, it's getting down in the trenches and digging and getting dirty and digging ditches. I mean, it's yeah. you know, the ability to yep. hand it over to everybody else and. Say, figure it out is it's limited. The, uh, it's the it's the tugboat captain, right? Exactly what and it the, is. And and the reality, look, the, the 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 moment that reality really smacks you in the face is when you're in the in your conference room and you're signing the uh, the paperwork for the for the mortgage on the house. <laughs> That's when reality smacks you in the face. And uh, and the reality is, I couldn't I couldn't do it without having a an extraordinarily supportive wife. Right? She's our CFO, mm-hmm. and um, you know. She's been on the journey since April, May, or March of 2020, when I called her from the airport and I said, hey, I think we're going to buy this company in Florida. And, uh, you know, she's been along for the ride and and been pretty fearless. So it, that made the transition much easier, you know, from a from a somebody on a, a from a W2 to a to a uh, an entrepreneur. How do you value a company where quality you really can't figure out the quality of earnings? Uh, yeah, how do you how do you figure out what you're going to pay for that? We looked at it. We looked at this one on an EBITDA multiple. So I, I did do an EBITDA, and so I, I looked at I looked at kind of a run rate on their EBITDA, and I did a what I thought was a reasonable multiple on that to, to kind of test that. I did a pro forma, like what would it be with all of our synergies, and and then we did an uh, an adjusted EBITDA, and and I made sure that both of those were. You know we're we're in line with our expectations, and the other thing from a risk management perspective was, you know, mm-hmm. we took a we took a you know pretty big haircut on, you know, okay, well if if this really doesn't work out, like can we can we cover the debt and mm-hmm. and what does that look like? And so you know as long as as long as I was comfortable with that, we were okay. Um, and and really, I this deal because it was a little bit larger, we really really tried to manage the, to the downside risk, like worst case scenario, you know, what does this do to us? Right. Mm -hmm. If, 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 if the company went to almost zero and we just had to keep it on a slow burn, like would air, you know, could through Aerox, could we continue to service the debt and all that? And and we were, we were fine. So, 
So that was really kind of how we got to the valuation. It really wasn't anything that I would call extremely scientific, but it was really just a kind of a comfort level that we had. Gotcha. Yeah. So you do that now, small business, a lot of your clients, customers, I mean, it's nice when a guy shows up with a credit card because you know you're going to get paid tomorrow or immediately. But a lot of your customers are, you know, a little bit larger and they want payment terms. You know, and it's aerospace. Everybody, you know, big companies want, you know, big payments. They want long payment terms. Yeah. You know, how do you how do you deal with that as a small business? You beg and you 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 implore to their to their goodwill because honestly, we're not you know be, being a small company. Ninety day terms with us isn't going to change anything on you know a tier one or tier two's balance sheet. Right. And so you know a lot of times you can talk to the buyer and say, look, you know I'm a small business. I really can't do this. I don't, we've had pretty good, we've had pretty good luck negotiating that. Right. You know, not always. And, you know, fortunately we kind of do that on an exception basis, kind of a right. one-off, but we, you know, where it's not, where it's not, a, I'll say a, a really large part of our revenue, but, you know, I mean, you know, if Boeing were, you know, 75% of my revenue on 90 day terms, the business would look way different, you know? And so I, I don't know how people manage to that. You, but you have to you have to fundamentally run the business differently when seventy five percent of your revenue is to one or two one or two you know airframe OEMs at ninety day terms. You know your capital structure's got to be different. You know it's just it's uh, yeah that, that's that's scary. And we have a good retail business, so you know we've got a website airox.com, and uh, we do a good retail <laughs> we do a good retail business through that. Uh, so that helps you know that helps the cash flow. And uh, we've got a good distributor base, and uh, you know that that also helps. Do, do people get scared? I mean, should people? Yeah, you think about all the supply chain mm-hmm. in the aerospace world, and people don't realize it's a lot of you know, you know just a small amount of you know. There's a lot of a lot of companies out there that make one or two critical components, and they're the only you know they're the only ones. I mean, do the bigger OEMs realize? Do they care? Do they think about it that much about you know, how much of their supply chain falls on you know, th- this di- this this demographic? I don't think they do until there's an issue. So we, su- we uh, fluid power supplies a couple of components to a couple of large OEMs, and when we bought the company, you know we had a we had a phone call with the head of purchasing, the head of quality, and you know I walked them through the Aerox story, and you know that we're AS ninety one hundred, that we supply, you know we're approved vendors for all of these other companies. Showed them some of the things that we do. We talked about some of our other capabilities, our FAA certifications, mm-hmm. and they actually were pretty relieved. And in fact, I think they'll consider us for some additional business because it did it did solve a, a problem for them. You know the fact that now you know. That group is part of a part of a you know not big but a little bit bigger uh, aerospace company with with some formal systems and things like that already in place. So so that'll be a great relationship and and probably a risk mitigation for them. But I don't I don't think that these big companies are doing assessments of you know those small uh, small suppliers until there's an issue, and then it's oops. Well, yeah. And then you've got two issues. One is the company doesn't typically have the resources to solve the issue. You know, they may not have a, you know, director of engineering or an engineering team or, you know, a big quality department. And then second is, 
if you were even to do a source selection, like requalifying a small single component in this environment is next to impossible. You know, it really, it really leaves the OEM, the, the tier one, tier two in a bind with these small suppliers uh, who do a great job. But, you know, when there's a problem, there's a problem. So, you know, that's, that's and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for kind of, kind of turn, I won't call them turnarounds, but companies that just need a little TLC and a little scale to be able to be a better supplier. Are they coming to you or are you going to them? How are you, how are you finding this? It's, it's, uh, it's a little of, it's a little of both, you know, the, the oxygen space is kind of, it's, it's kind of small. So we know who the big players are, who the small players are. And, and, you know, we talked, we, we talk amongst ourselves pretty regularly, but you know, we're always on the search for somebody, you know, quote unquote, under the radar, that's looking for an exit strategy, you know, who wants to see a lot of times, you know, it, it's, it's a very personal thing to sell your company, right? You've, you've been that's in this right. company for 30, 40 years, you know, your entire identity is wrapped around this company and mm-hmm. you don't want to sell the, and, and including your team, right? So what you don't want is you don't want to sell your company to somebody who you close on Wednesday afternoon and Thursday morning, you know, six, 18 wheelers show up to load everything up to move to your plant somewhere in, you know, the the middle of the country. Mm -hmm. You want somebody who's going to kind of honor that legacy and protect your employees. And, you know, a lot of times we can do that, you know, and I love having a plant here in Ohio. We've got, we've got plenty of space. The workforce here is, is great. Ohio is a great state from what I can see so far about doing business. There's a hundred aerospace companies within 50 miles of us, machine shops, so so it's got a pretty good supply chain and the team here is great. So, um, you know, we just promoted from within uh, to, to uh, a new general manager position and she's knocking it out of the park. I love having her part of the management team and um, we're super happy and I want to grow this Ohio facility. What'd you learn about last question? What did you learn about yourself? I mean, you went from, you know, like I said, you know, Sikorsky when I met you and you know, Sikorsky, you know, get bought up by Lockheed Martin, business starts change. What'd you learn about yourself going from, you know, down this path? What was the biggest wake up? Oh boy. A couple of things. So I'm not as, I'm, well, I'm trying, I'm trying to not be as much of a tornado. You know, I'm, I'm known for being pretty intense, not a lot of patience. And so I'm trying to kind of pace myself a little bit. And that, that actually came from one of my business coaches that I had brought on early when I bought Aerox and he kept telling me, you know, you've got to, you've got to conserve your energy, you know, and, and energy is a lot of different things, right? It's your physical energy. It's your financial mm-hmm. energy. It's like, it's like in an airplane, right? Your energy is your yeah. airspeed. Speed, air is, speed life. is life, right? So, so the energy that you've got, you've got to use very wisely, right? When, and that energy includes the cash you've got in your bank account, your people, your physical energy of you personally, you've got to use all of those resources very carefully and, you know, and, and so I'm getting better at that. Um, I still have a ways to go, but I'm getting better at that. And, um, you know, communication is, is always part of the journey. And, you know, I learned that when I was running the, the helicopter company for Sikorsky is that, you know, you think you can, you think you communicate a message three or four times and it gets through and, you know, seven to 10 times, you've got to be communicating that vision, communicating that, that message, 
you know, we've tried to do that here. And every time I'm in Ohio or, or at our plant in Florida, like I'm always communicating, you know, where are we headed? Who are our customers? You know, why are we doing what we, what we do? Why does it require such discipline and documentation and whatnot? So the communication piece is something that I've never been great at, but, uh-huh. uh, but I work really, really super hard at it. I got you. Obviously, look, the communication piece in a small business is huge. And the conserving your energy. I mean, yeah, you want to take on a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, I do the same thing. Like, yeah, I, I want it all and I want it now, right? It's like the yeah, you know, the Queen song. And uh, yep. it's it's impossible. Yeah. Pick your, pri- yeah. Pick your priorities. So, so so we've had to pace ourselves. Like, <laughs> I'll just give you one anecdote. So when we bought Fluid Power, we were doing our due diligence. And I'm like, okay, September 1st, we close. I want to go live with Master Plan. That's our MRP system. I want to go live September 1st. We'll get everything done ahead of time. Go live September 1st. Well, you know, September 1st became October 1st. I'm like, you know what? We just have to pace ourselves. It's not critical to do this right now. So we're in the process of doing it now. But, um, you know, sometimes you just, you can't put, you can't put that burden on everybody else either, you know, because it's not fair to them. So you just, you got to pace yourself, especially in a small company. You've got to prioritize. And and that's one of the things that 90, uh, that EOS has done for us is it's given me, it's given the team the ability to tell me, hey, these are the things we're not going to get done in the next 90 days. So these mm-hmm. are the things we are going to, this is our commitment, right? In this circle. And this circle is all the things we're not going to get done. And we're going to, we'll, we'll deal with that 90 days from now. And so that focus is how you get traction. And because, you know, being a tornado, you just want, you want, everything done and you want to push all the balls up at the hill up the hill at the same time and you really can't do that you've got to kind of focus get these things out of the way mm-hmm. and then move on to the next thing and that's been that's been a, a little challenging for me because i do i've got this vision of what the of what i want the group to be mm-hmm. and uh like i want to get there now 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 and you just you just don't have the resources to do that either financial or people or anything else and uh, which is probably a good thing because it also allows you to manage your risk, right? Which is a huge, huge deal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like I, I took on too much in December. I got way, I'm like, whoa, I got overwhelmed. I started taking on a lot of initiatives. And I I finally just pulled back the throttle. I'm like, all right, let's slow down on a couple of things. Yeah, you, 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 you just, it's impossible to do it all. I mean, that's, that's the yep. total mind. That's the total mind shift. Could you ever go back? You've been, you're now, you're an entrepreneur now. Could you ever go back? Could the I other go dire- back to, to, to the working other, for somebody? The other direction? No way. Yeah. No, you 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 know my history. I'm not a very good employee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm great at what I do. I love it, and uh, I I love the feeling of success. I love the freedom. I love the thrill of it. And uh, yeah, I, I I couldn't go back. I love it. No way. No way. Uh, I love it. Hey, thanks for coming on today, Scott. Aerox. Always a pleasure. Aerox is spelled A-E-R-O-X dot com, right? Yep, absolutely. So go find Scott Ashton. He's the the founder, president, CEO of Aerox and Skyox and Aerox Fluid Power Systems. Enjoyed having you today, Scott. Thanks for coming on again. Awesome. It was awesome being on, Craig. Thanks a lot and see you soon. Love it. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, 
or on YouTube, just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pippen.